Radio Free Cybertron. Transformers. Rewind. This week on Transformers Rewind, it's Five Faces of Darkness. The Great Wars are over. The Autobots have won. The surviving Decepticons, without a leader and desperately low on Energon, retreated to the burned-out planet of Char. Once Decepticons nearly held the Quadrant through terror, now we scrap like slargs over a few Energon cubes. Is this the fate of the mighty Decepticon Empire? In desperation, they realized that their only hope for survival was Galvatron. The memory bank must be in here. There it is. appearance of Galvatron. But the only clue to their former leader's present location pointed the way to a fiery distant planet called Throw. Meanwhile, the triumphant Autobots sent Blur and Wheelie with the transforming cog to Autobot City on Earth. But mysterious invaders attacked and kidnapped Ultra Magnus, Cup, and Spike. What happened to them all? They're gone. Yeah, and I'll lay odds on who did it. This planet is quarantined. Nobody comes, nobody goes until we find Cup, Spike, and Magnus. And what if we don't? Then we'll trash every Decepticon in the galaxy. Are the kidnappers Decepticons or some other race of evil beings? The search for an answer took Rodimus Prime and Grimlock to Char, the new headquarters of the Decepticons. After Rodimus Prime and Grimlock are rescued from the Decepticons by Arcee and Springer, the Autobots realize that the Decepticons are now too weak to have kidnapped Ultra Magnus, Cup, and Spike. But if they didn't, who did? To find the answer, Rodimus Prime traveled deep within himself into the matrix of leadership and emerges with the incredible answer. The Quintessons. Galvatron emerges from the lava plasma of the planet Thrall to lead the Decepticons. Come, Decepticons! We have an empire to regain! Meanwhile, a daring raid led by Rodimus Prime and the Aerialbots freed Ultra Magnus, Cup, and Spike an instant before the planet was detonated by the deadly Quintesson. To learn the secret of who the Quintessons really are, Rodimus short-circuited himself and went deep into the Autobot matrix of leadership, embarking on a journey into Cybertron's distant past. He discovered that the Quintessons were the creators of both the Autobots and the Decepticons. Cybertron's in deadly danger. We're heading back there. Now the Quintessons are intent on reclaiming Cybertron at any cost. To do it, they begin a deadly assault against both Earth and Cybertron itself. Decepticons! The Decepticons will destroy the Autobots. Then we will crush the Decepticon. And soon, Cybertron will be ours! Uh, I think we can all agree that Five Faces of Darkness is probably the greatest piece of art that human genius has ever produced. Everybody agree? It's funny because I'm a fan of abstract art, and you're correct. I love Five Faces of Darkness. Watching it again was a treat. It... It's really the sequel to the 86 movie. It isn't is. It? Yeah. It was it's intended like, to be. Yeah, it's a complete follow up. It's like literally. And now, the Transformers. Well, what are we going to do now, guys? Hope he's back. Yeah. So <laughs> Flint Dilly wrote both this and the movie. Mm. And it was glorious. So much better than the movie. It has more to it, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah it sure does. 
Um, I, let's see here. It has more to it, but it's all in the last twenty-two minutes. That's not true. Yeah, it's it's just spread out. It maybe could have been an episode shorter, and it would have been a, probably a tighter uh, overall episode. I think that it's. Uh, I don't want to say it's tight, but um, I think that there's a <laughs> there's a lot to it. Um, it, there's so much Transformers Cybertronian lore that's packed into this, and it, it's both the old, in, in a sense, looking back into history, it's new history, uh, it's ret- retconned history, but it's history, and so much new stuff. It's the first time we see the Predacons, it's the first time we see uh, Trypticon, it's the first time we see anything that's that's season three that's not in the movie. It's There's so much to it. Sky Skylinks, for God's sakes! Fighting Predaking. Yes! And and it's, I wish though the rebirth had gotten like I wish this had been like four episodes, like you said, Rob, and that and that extra episode could have I mean, like this was and two, that extra I, episode could have dove more into like the nature of Headmaster RC or just Headmaster, or just the Nebulon, the the, stru- the structure, the hive, and all just a little more backstory. The looking at Five Faces of Darkness, it, it's it's a fine five parter that could have been four. Uh, I like Rob said without a, without a, without a big loss of anything. Yeah, uh, just not so much filler to fill up the time. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I'm but it's, it's so much out of the blue. Just just so much. This is part of the Transformer universe. Let's like the Matrix, which we had never heard of until the movie. Then all of a sudden, you have all this backstory. Just like, okay, back up the exposition a little bit more, a little bit more, <laughs> and dump it. But What's, I mean, if you think if you think through the first two seasons, like you know, there's little bits and pieces about what things were from Cybertron, but there was never any real world building for this as a society or like you know a race that's been living for however many millions of years. Like this was finally looking at this is where this stuff came from. This is the origin they didn't know about, and this is the like backstory to everything and this is why there is the matrix of leadership still didn't really explain unicron and neither to call the primitive but you know what's what's kind of neat about it is you know the movie really kind of set the new direction you know from the uh, first two seasons but this really sets it because it's like the movie's basically hey did you kids like heavy metal well here's a pg version yeah you know this is like (laughs) this is like here's the next season guys it's now a space opera. It, it really is. So what, what I like about this, it's exactly what you said. It sets the stage for season three. Season three is very much a space opera. And all the stuff on Earth, what we find out. So where in G1, all of the humans were either construction workers, Asian scientists, or... Or some overlap of the three. Or some overlap of the three. In this, all humans are either some vague Eastern European pauper, stereo, uh, stereotypical Arabs, or futuristic spacefaring Americans. And everyone in the year 2005 will be wearing jumpsuits with their na- initial. No, not everybody. Not if you're one of the poor Eastern European poppers. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah. You guys remember when we did that a few years back? Oh, yeah. So, I uh, still have mine. So the thing is, this takes place in 2005, and I, it's sort of hard to think that that's the past. So yep. watching it. That's the future, dude. What are you talking about? I know. So uh, watching it. Uh, one is the past. When they're on the. What's the name of the planet? Goo? Was it Google? Google. Yeah. yeah. So when when they're on that and they're in that uh, that uh, garbage scowl thing, uh, they're CRTs that they're watching stuff on. Like we don't. Oh wait, ten years ago there were still CRTs, but it's the future. 
it's just kind of this awkward thing ah, in my but, head. No, but you have to remember, though, it's junky on technology. It's junk they found floating in space. True. This is CRTs from 1994 that are being blasted off in rockets as everybody switched over to uh, you know, a square s- flat panels. It was a slow transition. 2010, they were still using them. It's because, like, why do I need to buy a new one? Yeah, it's 2005. You're exactly right. Yeah, I mean, I had a flat screen in 2005. That's because I had an iMac. I didn't. You know, yeah, it, it came with it. <laughs> so basically what this episode does, uh, it goes in and tries to reconcile the new things that happened in the movie with th- this existing universe that you're supposed to be living in. So one of the big things that happened at the end of Transformers, the movie, is Galvatron got flung off into space. And uh, basically, the Decepticons, uh, when the first episode starts, well, the the Autobots are in great shape. They're having basically Mm -hmm. the intergalactic uh, Olympics. They're having Olympics. Yeah. Jazz ain't saying anything. Yeah. yeah, Things are good for the Autobots. The Decepticons are in bad, yeah, bad, bad shape. They're all starving. They have been kicked to the curb and flushed down the sewer. So they agree that they need uh, a, a, their leader, a strong leader, uh, like the Autobots had, which is kind of a nice little jab at Rodimus. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, so Cyclonus decides I got to go get Galvatron. And uh, my God, Galvatron is crazy as hell. He's just been bubbling in some lava for an unspecified amount of time. He's crazy and powerful. And sounds like Frank Walker. I, I vastly prefer Frank Walker Galvatron to Leonard Nimoy Galvatron. The, the thing is, like, Leonard Nimoy Galvatron works perfectly for movie Galvatron. Mm. Absolutely. He was this where Where he evil. is the, yeah, he is the overpowering menace. And in season three, Frank Walker Galvatron is great because he just sounds bad. Yeah, he's bad. Yeah. Crazy. He's just right. not a plot of season three is take him to the funny farm. I love like, Web World is the best <laughs> episode of anything I ever. mean, Galvatron, it's like Megatron. Pretty useless bad guy, Galvatron. Still useless, but we all love him. I mean, this guy is hilarious. So, yeah, so, and, and it's the start of the Cyclonus uh, abusive relationship. Unfortunately, man, he just beat the piss out of him for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah and, and and the sweeps. I would hate yeah. to have been a been, been a sweep. You know, you got to wonder if there's a scene where they're looking like, why did we get this guy again? Basically, I mean, Cyclonus, you led it. Why didn't you take over? I'm still trying to figure out my voice sounds like this now. So one thing I always thought was interesting was because Galvatron, this is part of my human brain trying to reconcile Transformers logic, I guess. Uh, Galvatron was, in my mind, a new character. Yes, he was based on Megatron, but he was entirely different. But Astro training this, he just takes for granted that Galvatron was Megatron. I was surprised that 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 they knew that. It seemed like, I mean, Starscream and Transformers, the movie, made that connection, sort of. But, and everybody uh, was listening when he said so. You think? But he's like, you think so? You think that was it? Everybody well, was standing there. But well, Cyclonus and Scourge came by to visit. Maybe they were like, they knew. You guys know, right? right? That you know, there was that you know, intervening time. It's like if I might have, be Thundercracker or Bug. I don't know who I am. Really. <laughs> oh, it's like that, it's like that thing. Rumors spread around. Oh yeah, well he was Megatron. Yeah, that makes sense. I can yeah. see that. But plus I didn't also think for, them, think for them to understand, even if Galvatron was a new individual, technically, I don't think it's a big thing to know that, well, Galvatron was made from Megatron after we threw Megatron out of the ship that time. Remember that, guys? That was pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we paid for that. And they're all looking like, hey, Astro Train, why aren't you the leader? You, you, you convinced us to throw, you convinced us it was really heavy in space. Yeah. <laughs> 
we're from space and we fell for it. And he's like, I'm not a good planner. So I kind of freaked out after y'all threw him out. So basically the, the gist of this episode is the Quintessons no are the uh, creators of the Transformers. And they, they, they consider the Transformers kind of a nuisance and a threat. So they want to get rid of them. So ultimately they uh, try to pit the Decepticons against the Autobots and they just basically want to turn on the Decepticons and get rid of them all in one fell swoop. And they have the the best plan for getting rid of the Transformers too. There's a switch. (laughs) Well, you know. (laughs) Flint Dilly, everybody. (laughs) So are you friends with Flint Dilly on on Facebook? I was till I I think I offended him one day. <laughs> Forgetting, you know, you forget you friend celebrities or uh, celebrities. Yeah, because you you know they're not your friends. You, they don't even comment or anything. Occasionally, you see they're like I've made friends. I made pictures. I've made friends with like uh, with like uh, Neil Kaplan and Gary Chalk. Yeah, those guys are cool. But you know, I mean, most of them it's just like this is my publicity page. They yeah. don't really do much with it. And then one day, and like I completely forgot because there's nothing coming from this account, and I was. I read Autocracy, and I'm like... <laughs> I don't comment on things like that. And I just tweeted fuck. out, they're just kind of making auto- Autocracy as they go along, don't they? And then a little bit later, I'm like, hey, one of my friends with Flint and Dilly. Yeah, but... So, and I look, nope. But uh, Flint Dilly, uh, I think he... I think... I, again, I, in all seriousness, I love Five Faces oh, yeah. of Darkness. And I, I really... I appreciate Transformers the movie for what it is. <laughs> and it, in one hand, I love it, because I've... I can quote it word for word, and I've watched it uh, hundreds of times. On the other hand, it kind of traumatized me. But <laughs> I, Five Faces of Darkness goes a long way to, to uh, with the world building, goes a long way to make things better for me. And uh, it really did a great job of setting up Season 3. Uh, it's I think really, Five Faces of Darkness would be better received overall if it wasn't so ACOM. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah, so because like, like, yeah, there's strong story elements in there, and there's stuff that is really important for Transformers going forward, even, uh, even beyond just like the confines of season three. But you know, the animation just kind of knocks everything down, and you're not really paying attention to what it's doing, as opposed to like what it's not measuring up to. Like miscolored Transformers in the background, tra- characters off that shouldn't, model, off yeah. model shouldn't characters that shouldn't be there, or everything taking a moment for Grimlock to eat a gun. Oh, oh, Grimlock! So this was the f- so yeah, Grimlock and the Dinobots were stupid in season one, seasons one and two, but they had this sort of menacing sort of vibe were, around them. They were a threat. They were like barbarian stupid. Yeah, yeah. so in Transformers, like, I'm scared. In Transformers the movie, they were stupid in a in a less threatening way. By season three, they were comic relief. and They were just there. They jumped yeah. straight into comic relief in this episode. And and they were never in any, they were never in robot mode. Uh, no, Grimlock was in robot mode. Fortunately. Yeah. Grim- oh, that's, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, he, and that one. He was, in gro- he was in robot mode in the first part one. Uh, well, all- and, um, and Slag was in robot mode in like part three when yeah, he when, wasn't on goo. When, 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 when he was, when he was a Decepticon because he was a Decepticon in that scene. <laughs> no, 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 no. There was a scene where Slag in robot mode was walking with the Autobot party. No, there's a scene where Snarl is actually with the Decepticons waving his arm, arms. It's not, it's not Slag, it's Snarl that I saw. Okay. okay yeah, well, there, there's another one. Acom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Acom. Acom at almost their worst. Yeah. Plus there was that episode where uh, Daniel gets transported with a Grimlock to the magical planet where the Quintesson <laughs> was exiled. 
and Grimlock was in robot mode there for like a he few was frames. yeah you're right yeah. Uh, so in this episode, though, uh, so many things introduced. It introduced the what Earth Defense Force or what is it? Earth Defense Earth Command. Command. Earth, Earth Defense Earth, Command. Earth, and Marissa yeah. Fairborn. Marissa Fairborn. Yeah. Marissa so, Fairborn's one man unit. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, she is awesome. I mean, she goes and she. Well, I mean, you you saw the uh, like outer orbital platform people. They just got blue. They got blown away. You know, no problem. She's the only one that actually survived. Well, she's the daughter of Flint and Lady J, who grows very <laughs> fast into a middle-aged woman from 1985. Yeah, it's... She, uh, just, she, she just has an unfortunate voice. She spent most of her teen years smoking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Them Decepticons are glooming again. <laughs> yeah, okay. But uh, let's see here. What else? So, so many characters uh, get de- uh, debut in this. We mentioned Crypticon. Uh, we get a battle, an awesome battle that actually shows uh, some scale that we lack in some later episodes between uh, Trypticon and uh, Metroplex. Mm-hmm. That's just in- super enjoyable to watch. And oh. also, and also, we see the pre- we see the Predacons for the first time, and they act like they're setting up a big rivalry between Skylinks and the Predacons. It doesn't really go anywhere outside of actually. And speaking of that, it, it features the so-called rivalry between uh, Galvatron and Ultra Magnus because they have that face-off, and Ultra and Galvatron flees because they're the same price point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but then, but then I, I'm glad they switched it to Cyclonus and Ultra Magnus. Because they're really, they're really both professional soldiers on opposites, and that makes a lot. I guess that's one of the saving graces of of the Killing Jar, which is not one of my favorite episodes. But the end should be, yeah, yeah, that's a great episode. It reminds you there's competent guys in leadership. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but uh, but you know, I I liked I, I liked the you know it's Blaster says uh. uh they're still on Io's Jupiter's moon. Good old Skylinks better get there soon. And the Quinnesland says, thank you for telling us about Skylinks. We'll tell the Predacons so we can kill them. It's like, the hell? Here comes death. There's, there's Razor Claw right now. Just jumped up right on your lap. Yes. All right. We're going to get an accidental reenactment of that fight any minute now. Yeah. But uh, all in all, I mean, I do really like Five Faces of Darkness. I'm not even joking. It's, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite episodes. It's not my favorite episode. But um, it does so much to right the wrongs of Transformers the movie that I give it a lot of credit. There's some weird stuff in there, too, though. Like, the Constructicons turn an actual human city into Trypticon overnight while everybody's asleep. Yeah, that's... uh... (sighs) Um, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Transformers logic. There's one thing to add. If you guys check out the Tommy Kennedy version... It, it's online. Oh, yeah, you actually. So you watched the Tommy Kennedy version of this? Yeah, because I have the regular version, but I just didn't feel like digging out the DVD. Optimus is absolutely hysterical. Like the second episode, like Tommy's like, "Well, I've got to go. I'll come back tomorrow. I'll tell you some more. Okay, I'll transform your world." Yeah, and he flies away. Well, it comes back, and Tommy's like, "You got to tell me more." He's like, "I don't know." Like Optimus generally does not want to tell him what's happening. <laughs> and like, and he's like, yeah. And then the beginning, you know, uh, the first episode, Optimus's narration kind of leads you to be- believe it's been quite a while since the movie. Like, it might. <laughs> there's no telling how long. He's like, for a while, we were okay. I mean, it was just like, it's kind of abruptly. It's not horrible or offensive, but it's almost like the guy writing is providing meta commentary on what's going on. Because like, 
you don't really know how long it's been since the movie and Five Faces of Darkness. You just got the feeling, a uh, few months maybe. Uh, how long could Galvatron be soaking in that lava, you know? But this, it's almost like, man, this is, it looks like forever. They're at the Olympics now, and the world was just almost destroyed. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it was established, though, that it was in 2005, just like the movie. Right. So It's like, they're, just like anything else, Transformers, it's like, well... A giant monster almost ate our planet and tore everything up. Hey, Olympics. Yeah. If you guys want to do something else? If this were the 1990s and I was still typing up my thoughts on Usenet, I would try to squeeze in some sort of time dilation sort of commentary in here to explain how that works. But thank God I'm an adult and I'm not going to do that. One thing that Five Faces of Darkness in Season 3, with Rodimus having all these doubts and and the perpetual... But a lot of people don't give Rodimus enough credit, and I think he was doing it. But it's like Peter Davison following Tom Baker as the Doctor. You know, it's, some shoes are really hard to fill. No matter who you cast, you're going I'm, to have issues. I'm but I'm, think, I'm thinking, do you think Galvatron knocking the Matrix out of his hand at, during the movie, maybe he didn't have a full transformation into Rodimus Prime? No. I'm, I'm actually one of the people that will tell you, Look, until Power Master Prime Optimus was kind of a crappy leader, and Rodimus just really gets a bum rap because it's like, okay. hey, he's actually an effective leader. And one thing we oh, one, one thing we failed to mention though is the Decepticon Matrix, which I wish existed. I, I was I, I, I was going to bring I was going to bring that up when, uh, about the whole, and they're using the greatest the greatest non-existent MacGuffin uh, being the Decepticon <sighs> Matrix. I have the Decepticon Matrix of Conquest that doesn't exist for till like three H man. Yeah. <laughs> no, like the thing with Rodimus, kind of pointless. He would have been just as good of a leader as Optimus Prime in the same situation we saw Optimus Prime be leader in, which was, you know, there's kind of a war going on, but it's mostly just dude hanging out with his buddies, having fights with the Decepticons every once in a while. Now I think Optimus Prime would have had yeah. just as much problem being a bureaucratic leader as Rodimus Prime did. Yeah. 